0: start to put tension on my string drawback I was like okay yeah. I missed him it. it's him you can look at the hole when he's dead i um, um, you know in his
1: own let the arrow go is perfect uh,
2: you when know, they lose their front shoulders, yeah i start. yeah that's how you know went about
1: five ten more yards he we probably went twenty yards and we're trying to get back up I saw him up. we rushed forward here that night we got like 156 and something like that and then the next day we came up 153 even you're listening to the white cat outdoors podcast bringing you to the table where we talk about the outdoors
0: hello hi what's up hello how's everybody doing uh episode 131 you God idiot God damn it 132 We even discussed it before Yeah, I, I was just I was into Half it Half a ball. Yeah it was bad 132 What's up Nick and Tom are here What's up How you doing And uh, we've been kind of it's,
1: it's the slow time Yeah
0: it is Like you guys Need to write in the comments more And let us know what you want to hear about So we, we don't have yeah. to think so hard Not to point any fingers But I'm pointing <laughs> my finger get on it
1: we've got a couple uh guests we're trying to get into the works um just haven't hit those dates yet so we got some filler episodes we got to put in there so you know give us some ideas what you guys want to hear um you know we got another snake hunt coming up here in a couple weeks so we'll hopefully have some more snake talk um but before we know it it's gonna be freaking deer season Mm -hmm. it's gonna get wild that's
0: fact i'm excited for that is
1: this gonna be our third installment of the deer camp series it will be yep Two years in a row, we've been able to go every week from October to December mm-hmm. with a kill uh, episode. So,
0: we're gonna keep it going, It'll be even better this year.
1: Volume three, third installment. Maybe one. you'll get
0: a buck. We can talk about
1: We <laughs> got one the first year,
0: it was the very last. We actually had to bring it back, yeah, because I, Cause I we ended the Christmas. deer camp series and then brought you back for yeah, a bonus. So deer what about camp. it, Tom? I, we'll I don't look, think it counts unless it's within now. the confines of. It was
1: called Deer Camp Series, so.
0: But like a bonus feature. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it counts.
1: Mm, debatable. Anyway, I'll leave it in the comments. Yeah,
0: <laughs> along with your
2: episode idea. But <laughs> so, yep.
1: Tom, yep. what are we what are we talking about tonight?
2: So, as Nick mentioned, we are getting really close to deer season, and it's. Getting to be that time of year where people start hanging up their tree stands, getting them prepped for the upcoming season. So we thought maybe we should talk about how we pick our favorite stand locations and you know, why we why we put our stands where we do. That's that
1: great topic, Tom. Something that everybody that deer hunts probably has to do. And to I think the, the, the biggest
0: ground. mistake people make with their pre-hung sets is they wait until like, right at season or during season. Not that it like is going to hurt you that much, but if you go in there traipsing around cutting limbs and doing stuff during season, you're going to hurt that spot for a day or two before they're. Oh yeah. You really... cut a
2: shooting lane. The deer are going to know. Okay, yeah. Why is this different? Yeah. This didn't look like this when I walked here yesterday.
0: Yeah. So you definitely want to get it done earlier, you know, sooner rather than later. So they can acclimate to one, the stand being there to the new cut that you make. And
1: I actually know a guy that um, when he trims shooting lanes, he puts mud over uh, where he cuts um, limbs. it's not like a bright. So it doesn't, yeah, it's not like a huge color change to show like fresh um, Mm -hmm. human infringement, if you will. Yeah,
0: but I mean, even at that, the deer are going to notice if a limb is gone. Yeah, They know what something looks like in the woods where they walk.
1: Well, it's like if somebody took the salt and pepper shaker off your, Kitchen table. Yeah, you'd notice it was m- missing. Yeah, the same exactly.
0: Thing. It's very minuscule, but you're gonna be like, "Where is this?" I, it was yeah. literally just here, and they're the same way. They know what stuff looks like when they walk through the woods, and if it changes, it's going to draw their attention.
1: Yeah,
2: which you don't want for sure. Don't want that.
1: Thanks for that tip, Tom. <laughs> That's the hot tip of the week. <laughs> um, but that, I mean, that plays right into stand location is mm-hmm. putting it in a place that looks is natural as possible you so, can
0: do as minimal cutting as possible yeah.
1: and hanging it somewhere where you're concealed as much as mm-hmm. you know possible while still being able to get a shot off yeah um so tommy why don't we uh let's uh let's start with a food plot um stand location start with
2: that like food plot or field yeah i feel like you're gonna be pretty, pretty similar. similar
1: well no uh let's do food plot first because typically food plots uh, in general, are a lot smaller than like cutting a whole field edge.
2: So, setting up for a food plot, the biggest thing that I think you have to take into or take into consideration. consideration <laughs> I don't know where account just literally account from. and consider maybe. Yeah, know. probably take into consideration is the predominant wind direction. Mm-hmm. So where we're at, we mostly have a west wind and sometimes there's gotta,
1: a western component yeah
2: yeah it'll pretty go much from all southwest time. to northwest or straight out of the west so you want to set your stand in a position where with that west wind you'll still be able to access it you know with your face into the wind the whole time you're walking in and your scent is not blowing to where the deer are coming from or where they're going to be so you don't want to get scent- tricky it does get tricky. You don't want your scent blowing out into the middle of the food plot on a western wind because mm-hmm. any deer that comes out into that food plot, it's going to smell you. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, it you don't want it. Oh, this is tough to describe because it's, you kind of have to see the food plot to yeah. see what's going around. But for the most part, you don't want your scent blown out into the food plot. You don't want... Your scent blown into bedding or where you think the deer are going to come from. Mm -hmm. And you want to make an access trail where you can get in quietly, not bump anything out. You're not disturbing any bedding, anything like that.
1: I think uh, a couple weeks ago we talked to Mike Perry and one of the things he talked about was a crosswind, which I think has a lot of uh, weight for this topic as well Um, because there's no way... I mean, maybe there might be a few, you know, fantasy farms out there that are just absolutely perfect, mm-hmm. but it's almost impossible to have a stand locate like a food plot location that you can, has a perfect wind. Yeah, Well, yeah, that you can walk in there with your face to the wind that you didn't walk through their bedding, that you aren't walking where they're going to come from, that you can get up into the tree and it's not blowing over the food plot. Like it's very tough for all three of those things. Mm-hmm. Um to all work in unison every single time and then throw in thermals and it just gets even more complicated so i think personally you know your biggest is once you get to your stand you don't want um your scent blowing to where they're coming from or where you're shooting
2: and i i think another another really big thing is you don't want your scent blowing into the bedding on your way in no because if you're walking in and your sense blown into the bedding well, you're telling every single deer, "Hey guys, I'm on my way." Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I don't really yeah, I don't really care where my scent's going walking in as long as it's not towards where I believe they're at because once I'm there it doesn't matter behind me. My main goal when I'm walking to where I'm going is not leaving ground scent where they're probably going to be coming from. That's I pay attention more to that than I do wind walking in. Um like I said, I, it's in the back of my mind. Like I know where the deer are probably going to be at, you know, where they're bedded. So I don't want my wind blowing that direction, but I'm more concerned with my ground scent. I don't want a deer crossing my trail when they're coming in. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're lucky enough to find a tree where all of those stars align just perfectly, uh, which I would say 90% of the time is not the case. Uh, You just try and get as many factors in your favor as possible. Um, But I don't know how you guys, the listeners, like to do it, but we don't really put our tree stands right on the very edge of the food plot. We like to have them back, you know, 10, 15 yards. I think you just get more cover that way. Because being that you're hunting such an open area, if you're right on the edge of the food plot, it's going to be easy to get busted, easy to get skylined. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just not not great cover, so we try and pick a tree where you know you have decent cover, as good as you can for hunting mm-hmm. an open area.
1: Yeah. Little tip while we're talking about you know with cover and everything, um, something that we do that I don't know if you know I'm sure there's other people that do it, but we like to leave small trees or brush um, circles and stuff within the food plot. Uh, that gives you opportunities to draw on deer that are moving through your food plot, and mm-hmm. we like so to just,
2: keep those trees or brush like inside 25 yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so way when they walk behind it, now out you or, draw. Yeah, and as soon as they step out, you know they're at 25 yards. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just
1: it it kind of just came to me like when you were talking about having cover further back. So something we like to do is just leaving Make small your trees or shrubs. Yeah, something that you know if if you set up your food plot correctly. Um, you know, in a, almost like a bean shape, you know, where they're more likely to migrate through it to see what's in the whole field. Chances are, they're going to step behind one of those brush piles or something. And at some point you can draw back there and you're at full draw waiting for them to step out the other side. So just a little tidbit thing that we like to do. So.
2: So kind of off of food, food plots are very, difficult I guess um, because there's so many factors that go into it um, so it, it's tough to describe a specific a specific without I, seeing no perfect setup. yeah without actually seeing the food plot so it's kind of difficult to do a broad term mm-hmm. or a broad explanation on this is how you set up on a food plot um, fields are a little bit easier um, two things I really like, In fields, or three things actually, if there's a hedgerow that goes through the field, I like the low point of the field and I like the high point of the Mm -hmm. field. If there's a crest, a lot of the times the deer, they'll come out on that crest so they can see what's above or what's below them on either side of the crest. They can see the entire field. Mm -hmm. And I also like the low point because scent gathers in the low points. So deer
1: due to thermals with when you have a very calm day.
2: Yeah. So when deer come out a lot of, if they're not coming out on the high point, a lot of times they like to come out in the low point so they can smell what's out in the field. So what I like to do is I will, when, if I'm setting up, we'll start with a high point of the field. If there's a crest on, on the field, you know, you go where that crest meets the wood line. And a lot of the times you'll find, you know, deer trails coming out of Mm -hmm. the woods right along that knoll. So I don't, I don't like to set up right on the deer trail. I don't like a five yard shot. Mm -hmm. I like my shots. 20 to 25 yards is ideal for me. So I'll set up, you know, 20, 25 yards off of that trail and set it up so I can see the deer coming through the woods. And by the time they step out into the field, I know I have a, perfect broadside shot, 20 yards, 25 yards. Mm -hmm. Nothing's going to be in my way.
0: I feel like one thing I've noticed with field hunting is that deer, I'm sure they're as perceptive to it, but I feel like they don't care as much with like what we talked about with pruning lanes and stuff. I've cut quite a bit of stuff off of field edges so I could see to shoot. And I it doesn't grab their attention quite as much for whatever reason I have noticed. I don't know why, but if you do that same amount of cutting in the woods, they're going to pay a lot more attention to it as opposed to on a field edge.
2: I think that's because fields are constantly changing yeah. throughout the year. They go from super high in mm-hmm. the springtime, then a farmer will come and he'll mow the whole field. Yeah, uh, Then they rototill it, plant it, mm-hmm. and i have to i have a little bit of a different opinion than you when it comes to field hunting
1: Uh, most of it lines up um, except for the low point of the field Um, i agree that um, the deer like to come out there on low points but i will not sit in the low point unless i've got a lot of wind Uh, and because of what you said with scent i don't really care to if if my scent i know is going to pull down there i don't want to tip that deer off Mm -hmm. and that's just something i've noticed on low points and I'm in one specific field up at our far camp, um, off the old main road. I've been busted a couple times out of that ladder on calm, uh, like calm evenings. And they came out of that old trail and I know that they smelled me because it was like they would bust before they even got to the field edge. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just something I've experienced. So I don't like to hunt the low points of a field unless I have a steady wind, mm-hmm.
2: which makes sense. Yeah. So, I'm just saying it. No, as far I, I as do, deer movement goes. Yes. yes.
1: No, I, it's one thing, I mean, with deer hunting, and we all know that, like, there's no concrete answer for anything. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many factors that come into – so, yeah, like, obviously deer like to come out at the low points. They like the high points, but there's different reasons for both, mm-hmm. um, and that's why it becomes a chess match. you got to figure out, you know, if there's a certain buck you're wanting to kill – How does he like to come out to the field? Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're just trying to go after a deer or a buck, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and not all fields have that crest high point in it. Sometimes it's a gradual climb up, so you only have a low point to hunt. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, very, eh, not very few, but there's a lot of fields that only have one or or the other. Yeah. So.
2: And uh, I'm not saying like this is, if you're going to set up on a field, this is how you have to do it at the high point or the low point. A lot of times there'll be, there's scrapes
0: all over the yeah. field
2: sometimes there'll be a deer highway coming out mm-hmm. you know halfway to the knoll in between the high point and the low point and if there's a monster trail coming out i'll i'll hang a stand there too mm-hmm. not saying this is the only way to do it but well
1: and that's one of the benefits of having like a mobile setup too is being able to
2: check see those stuff on yeah. yeah it's
1: hunting on the fly mm-hmm. um it's just you know you know, the general idea of what typically happens on that field edge. Mm -hmm. But if you're heading out there, you know, end of October and all of a sudden there's this huge scrape on the side of the field, you know, that looks like it could be used during the daytime. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, it's probably worth setting up on. That's what Tom and I did last year to kill his buck. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, field edge scrapes are nighttime activity, but not always if it's.
0: I've it, had a lot of activity on field edge scrapes during shooting Yeah, I hours. think if
1: it's in close proximity to where they're bedding, mm-hmm. I think it makes no difference that it's on the edge of the field. Yeah, uh, I think pressure has a lot to do with it. Yeah, um, I, I
0: think it's more pressure than it does so, how they use them.
1: Yeah, where Tom and I shot this, or where Tom shot the buck, I shot him on camera. Um, we don't hunt back there hardly at all. Um, and so, haven't in years. Yeah, so what I'm, it, it, very low pressure it's on the edge of a field, you know, if a lot of people say, Oh, it's, you know, it's a nighttime scrape. Don't, don't spend all day sitting there. We sat on it one day and killed that nine point. So Mm -hmm. I just, I think you, like they said, there's so many different factors. If you've got a low pressure area, field edge scrapes, I think can be great.
2: Mm -hmm. I agree
1: early. I mean, late October. Mm -hmm. So
2: then real quick before we dive into the wood setups, uh, like I mentioned, uh, hedgerows deer are, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Fringe edge, fringe edge creatures, edge creatures, fringe creatures. Yeah, I know yeah. what you're going for. Um, they like that Transitional transition, transition type like stuff like that. So if there's a hedgerow running through the field, a lot of times they will travel that hedgerow. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just not a bad, not a bad spot. We've had a lot of good spots. It's actually a, hedgerow. a
1: good transition into woods hunting too, because uh, if you hunt. Uh, properties that are even old timber like you know mature blocks of timber uh if you can find old hedgerows you know it's all timber now but you find like that hard line of maples where it goes from like maple to hemlock yeah there's like this but i mean i there's the one property we have that like i mean it's like oaks everywhere and then there's like a hard line of oaks and then it turns into like all these um like poplars and just other junk trees and the deer run that thing like crazy. So like mm-hmm. it was probably a field edge two hundred years point, ago or yeah. whatever. I I don't know. I'm just throwing a number out there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like what Tom said is fringe transition, however you want to call it. Whenever there's a change in yeah, no matter habitat, what the change is, it seems like deer will utilize that for travel. Mm-hmm. So I guess now we can dive right into the woods.
2: Yeah. Well, I've been doing some talking. I'll let you jump on this one.
1: All right, so I like to typically hunt into the woods more than Tom does. Um, I do early season. I stay towards the perimeter of our property, and most of the property is timber right from the edge. So, um, for me, I like to find intersecting trails um, and uh, water. Like, like if I can, if there's a stream, I like to be able to hunt close to the water because I can use it as access. That's mm-hmm. just something. I've, especially the one property we have out, uh, my dad's farm. There's a stream that runs right through it. Uh, I like to be able to jump down and use that to get where I like to be. It mm-hmm. keeps it, you know, a little less um, invasive. Walking invasive. In. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Any way you can access your stands with as little intrusion as possible yeah. now is I better.
1: Do, the one thing Mike said a couple weeks ago that is going. It's going to have me checking out a new area is what he's talking about. Those turns Mm -hmm. um, uh, in the creek where it has like the rocks washed up. Yeah. There's a certain spot that I'm picturing. Tom, I'm sure Tom knows exactly what I'm talking about on that stream edge. Hunted it. Um, I've hunted. Well, I've hunted that bull before, but I've never specifically sat right there. And I've got video of deer crossing right there. I just, I never put, I guess I I wasn't as observant as I should have been. Mm -hmm. I didn't. Like Mike pointed out, you know that they cross there, Mm -hmm. and I've yeah I've videotaped deer crossing in that spot, but I never put the connection together that it is because it's shallower there. Mm -hmm. Um, It just makes a ton of sense. Yeah. So that's the big thing for me is intersecting trails. I for me one trail is not enough. I like to find a spot where two come together or Mm -hmm. intersect. Um, What do you, Frank?
0: I look less for trails because I do more woods hunting than field hunting as well, but I look less for trails and I'm more of those transition okay. spots. Um, Like the one area that I've hunted a lot over the years, I haven't really the past couple of years, there's a hard line of hemlocks and it's, it's a thin line kind of just in from a field that goes down to a swamp and then it comes up, makes like a 90 degree turn. And on either side of this row of hemlocks, You have hardwoods or brush. There's something going on on either side of it that's different. And that L shape of hemlocks is just a highway all the time. So it just gives them a nice, easy spot to travel between two areas. They're right on that transition. They have options to go either way from that. And anytime I can get into hemlocks, I'm all about it. Because like we talked about setting your stands up where you have plenty of cover, you're not going to get better cover than a hemlock.
1: I love hunting out of hemlock trees. That's
0: Yeah, they're by will, far my favorite tree.
1: I will hunt. like So if I'm in an, an area, um, like I get to the general vicinity of where I want to hunt, and there's one tree that's – there's two trees I'm picking from, and one might be a little bit better than the other. If one's a hemlock, I'm going that route. Yeah. Um, like if as long as like the wind and everything is okay, mm-hmm. I would much rather have the cover of a hemlock um, yeah. than – pick the beech tree thats that isn't, uh, doesn't have the cover.
3: Yeah, exactly. Because
1: you can, you can disappear into a hemlock so quickly, and you can most of the time just climb the branches. Mm-hmm. So it saves a lot of time.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you can usually cut pretty... Even though you have a lot of cover in a hemlock, it usually doesn't take a whole lot of cutting to get a shooting lane out of a hemlock. Usually
1: one or two limbs. Yeah,
0: so you're not drawing attention by cutting half a freaking tree out
1: another thing uh while we're talking about trimming hemlocks that i always do when i hunt hemlocks is i don't cut the branch completely i cut it until it falls Mm -hmm. out of my line or like the area where i want to shoot so it's not like this giant opening it's basically like what i'll take yeah i'll just just, i cut it you know just over halfway and let the weight of it sag because if you if you're cutting with a handsaw Like I'm talking like if you're trimming as you have your stand, you can watch as you're cutting, the branch will start to lower before it actually like breaks away. Yeah. So I'll cut it until it falls just out of where I need it to be. Mm -hmm. And that has worked really well for me just to open it up and it keeps it um, still in the tree. Yeah, And and you still have cover with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of times if you cut out the whole branch, yeah, you have your shooting lane, but now your legs are exposed. Mm -hmm. So this way you can kind of just let it sag just enough. Yeah. And actually, it'll keep the limb alive, too, if you ever go back to it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a hinge cut halfway up the tree. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tom, any, I know you do some woods hunting, especially when it comes to November, if you've oh. still got a tag.
2: Yeah, most of the time I don't. <laughs> um, but I like, so early archery season, if I'm not hunting a field, like if I know, okay, there's a buck in the area, but he's not coming out to the field until after dark. I'll try and hunt that transition area in between the bedding and the field. Usually there's a
1: trail that runs parallel with the field, like 40 yards in.
2: Yeah, um, it, they'll check They'll check that they'll scent check it on the downwind side of the field. They'll run the edge parallel so they can smell anything that's out in the field. So I don't, I don't necessarily hunt that trail um, because they probably do that right before Mm -hmm. they come out um but i know like up at our farm up there in new york um one of the primary bedding areas is this big beaver swamp and it's probably 150 200 yards from the main field Mm -hmm. so i'll find like nick said some intersecting trails that are coming from the bedding area out to the field Mm -hmm. because if they're getting out into the field you know 20 minutes after dark well they're probably out of their bed Mm -hmm. an hour before dark Mm -hmm. and i'm hoping to catch them on their way out
1: the whole way there so it takes a long
2: time yeah
0: they don't just get up and run right over there
2: yeah it takes some time for them to get out there so i'll like nick said intersecting trails where you know there's Trail coming out of the bedding here, trail coming out of the bedding here, trail coming out over there, and they all kind of meet up mm-hmm. right over here. So,
0: That's what I think is kind of difficult with certain transition areas, like that place I was describing. The deer will use that whole area, so it's tough to find, like, one specific trail. So so you, you, you just
1: hunt different property than me and Tom. We don't mm-hmm. have – most of the places we hunt have a hard trail yeah. Are like, not hard trails. And there like, are
0: still, like, I still have those hard trails to hunt, and I will hunt them if that's what I have. But, like, areas like that where they have options, they don't... It's not like they're pushed to kind of one area, like a, a bottleneck. It's not bottlenecked. It's a 50-yard wide swath of hemlocks that they can walk through. They're not going to walk... They just
1: kind of go aimlessly through it.
0: Yeah, they're just kind of bouncing back and forth and they're coming from you know the brush over here in this spot they're coming from the hardwood at this spot so there's never a specific spot where it's like okay this is the hard trail where most of the deer are running through right here you just kind of got to pick and choose your access points and pay attention to stuff out away from that a little bit but you know that they're going they will be in this spot right here so um, you just kind of got to look at everything else around you to find that specific spot.
1: So, Tom, when you're talking getting on these trails uh, that are like like from the bedding out to the field, how close are you comfortable with um, being to where you believe like the bedding area is? And I'm sure it changes for a preset stand and one that you're going to hang to hunt that, day, that night.
2: If it's one that's already up, I don't mind getting within 50 yards of that bedding. Um, if it's a, if I'm going in to hang it, I'm more like 75, hundred yards. You're right
1: on the money with where mm-hmm. I was at with it. Um, I, I, I've i heard that, you know, and I've killed deer off of bedding, like not like out of their bed or anything like that, but it seems like a deer when it gets up, it'll cover hundred, 150 yards you know around that bedding like a radius um still in daylight. Mm-hmm. So I I don't think it's necessary to try and get in a tree that's 25 yards from where it's trying to bed. Mm-hmm. I mean I I'm pretty quiet getting set up but there's nothing you can do to stop that sound of your stick sliding down the tree as it? Yeah, as goes you locked it in. in. Yeah. There's just nothing you can do about it um and I I know that like in the woods you can hear everything on a calm day yeah And there's no way that inside 50 yards that stick sliding down the tree they don't hear that Mm. Um, even if they don't associate that with a hunter it tips them off to look that direction yeah Um, and inside 50 yards I can almost guarantee you they'll see you climbing up that tree yeah so I'm with Tom 75 to 100 yards with a uh, stand I'm hanging but like you said if you have a stand that's already preset, 50 yards I'm okay with because I can get up it quietly. The tree, hopefully the way I set it up, I'm pretty much using the tree between where I believe he's at, yeah. climbing up that side, and getting into the stand without ever really exposing myself to that side.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you can al- you always make sure you can get in quietly so you're not tipping them off with you just walking, yeah. and then you're in real quiet, and he is none the wiser.
1: Yeah. Well, in that, um, we have a stand that's set up like that, up there and what we can do is just cut in from the corner of the field if your goal is to kill them before they get out to the field who cares if you walk through the field to get there yeah um the you know i I mean if it's a doe i don't really care if she smells me once she's past me if i'm after a buck it i'm supposed to be shooting it before it even gets to where i walked in so i don't Mm -hmm. mind using the field to access it super quiet Mm -hmm. versus coming all the way through the timber yeah so i agree um this year we're gonna have trails Mm -hmm. through the property so that's gonna help access so much yeah. because right now, I mean, you're, you can be, you can do your best to be quiet, but walking on leaves when it hasn't rained in a month,
0: it's, <laughs> they make a little noise.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, we're not Indians, you know, they it's, it's tough. So I think with the trails, it's going to really help us access stands a lot quieter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that.
0: My dad and I were talking about that the other day, we were putting some cameras up and we're like looking like, how are we going to get into It's that clear cut. We're like, how are we going to access this? we we're, we were just kicking around different ideas as we were putting up cameras, and there is one logging road that like goes up through the majority of the uh-huh. property that we're, we'll be able to use to get farther back in, but it's gonna be.
1: Now, is do you think that they're in there, um, like early morning, or do you think you can get into there with while they're still out in the field?
0: See, that was something that we talked about. There's one spot on the back side of the property where there's a bunch of hemlocks. Uh, where we put a couple cameras up, and he's like, I think this would be a great morning spot. It's far back there. It's all the way on the back of the property, but you can basically walk that logging road all the way up to it. Mm -hmm. So even though if there are deer already in there in the morning, you can kind of get through it quietly. But you're also, what the hope is with that spot is you're going all the way back onto the edge of the clear cut near the transition areas and you're gonna be catching them coming back in to the clear cut from wherever they you know if there's ag fields all over the place. So, so the idea with that one is to catch them coming back in.
1: So for me that I've hunted not obviously that area, yeah. but I've hunted uh several spots where I have to walk by where deer may be mm-hmm. already and that's why I quit using a headlamp coming in. If I, I, if I never I, use if I them. can. There's yeah. certain times you know you might need to flick it on when you get to the spot. Yeah. Um, but I used to, I, I mean when I was younger you know maybe had a little bit of fear of the dark being in the woods you know mm-hmm. get eaten by a bear or something. <laughs> but I always had my headlamp on from the time I got out of the truck till I got set up in the tree. And now I don't turn my headlamp on unless I absolutely have to. Most yeah, of the I'm time. I'm the same way. I can usually get to the tree that I think I want to be in. Um, Because I usually know the property pretty well. Especially if
0: it's a pre-hung stand. Oh, for
1: a pre-hung, I won't turn my light on at all. Yeah. But I'm saying if I'm taking my mobile stand in, Mm -hmm. I might need to turn it on just to make sure that, you know, this is Yeah, I
2: use red light.
1: Yeah, that's another thing. Mm -hmm. When I do turn on a light, it's red. Mm -hmm. But walking by where you believe deer may be, like in that clear cut, Yeah, if you walk that trail and it's pitch black... It could be anything walking by. Everything walks through the woods in the middle of the night. Yeah. I don't think you're going to get tipped off that that was a human coming through there. No. Now, if you've got a big beam and light on the top of your head.
0: Yeah. Now. They're going to have some questions.
1: Yeah. So, I think that's important too is, you know, lose the headlamps, lose the flashlights while you're uh, accessing your stand. Especially, like you said, if you know where the stand is. You don't need the light. There's no reason to have a light.
0: Yeah. You should be familiar enough with the property and where you hung the stand that yeah. you should be if able you've to get a,
1: there. A lick of preparation uh, <laughs> on the property you're hunting with a preset and everything, you should be able to get to your stand without a light. Yeah, no um, doubt. But if you can't, I would practice before the season because it's. I think it's huge. To it is not do that.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree, You'd, and like we've talked about how you go, you climb your stand. Like with your mobile setup, you go up and down trees all the time in the summertime just to oh yeah I really was the, figure out how you want to do uh, stuff. Wednesday
1: and, I was climbing.
0: Yeah, you know, just so even if it's not a preset stand that you're working on getting into, knowing exactly where you're going, so you don't have to turn that light on. Work with your mobile setup in the summertime so you know exactly yeah. how to do it the quickest and quietest. Yeah,
1: I mean I've been hunting like this for a long time, you know it started with climbers. And then about three or four years ago, I switched to a lock-on with sticks. Um, But I still like to tweak with it or play Mm -hmm. with it just to get it so I can be as quiet as possible. Like I said, there's nothing you can do about that stick sliding down the tree. Um, I've since switched to sticks that don't slide nearly as much. Mm -hmm. You know, like certain sticks bite faster than others, I believe. Um, So I've got that advantage. But I just, I think being efficient with your Ascend, even if it is a preset, Yeah, Like, if you're not used to using Mm screw-ins, like, your climbing sticks, whatever you're using, like, I just think it's important to be efficient.
3: Yeah,
2: no doubt.
1: Anything else, Tommy?
2: Well, I was just going to say a couple things about setting up rut stands. Because once rut kicks on, uh, I kind of drop the whole, uh, what am I looking for, permanent stand and go mostly mobile Mm -hmm. um just because gotta be where the deer are yeah you gotta be where the deer are and you could be hunting one spot and not see a damn thing all day long and your buddy 300 yards away from you has had bucks cruising by him Mm -hmm. all day we have that
1: conversation constantly at camp when tom and i are up there for a week straight one night i'm on fire tom's like yeah i didn't see shit Next day I go out and I'm like, I, I, we, we, I might go back to the same exact spot and be like, I didn't see shit. And Tom's like, dude, bucks were grunting, fighting, crazy over
2: here.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's, stuff changes fast in the rut, so you got to be adaptable.
2: Yeah, that's why I like to go mobile during the rut. Um, Some things I like to hunt during the rut are if I find fresh scrape. Mm-hmm. Fresh scrape, you got to set up on it. I don't care if you have the spot picked out. You're like, all right, this is where I'm going. If you're walking in and you see a scrape that you can see has piss in it and freshly kicked up dirt, I'm, I'm probably going to want to hunt it. If it stinks yeah. Yeah. still. Yeah. yeah, I'm scrapping. I don't care if I thought, oh, man, I, I can't wait to get to this spot. I haven't hunted it yet all year. I'm super jacked. If I get halfway there and there's a brand new scrape, yeah, yeah that's where I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, downwind of bedding areas, love that can't get enough of it um bucks they'll cruise that downwind side of bedding scent checking it for does so basically anywhere 40 50 yards off that bedding is typically where they'll cruise to scent check it Mm -hmm. so if you just back off of that 25 yards which puts you seventy-five, eighty 75 80 yards perfect Mm -hmm. distance it should be a fun hunt and um,
1: bottlenecks that's my favorite
2: i was gonna say pinch points which is yeah, same thing same thing so if that's your favorite nick
1: yeah so when it comes to the rut uh, i'm also with tom if i have a spot picked out and i walk across red hot sign i'm setting up yeah you know it's i think you're crazy to walk over hot sign to go somewhere that might have hot sign mm-hmm. you know if you if you walk across something that's hot sit there and hunt it um but typically i'm looking for bottlenecks Um, and it's more than just a, you know, a pinch point in transition or something. I like to have at least one side of the pinch point be inaccessible to the deer, uh, whether it be a large body of water, uh, a a super steep ravine, which isn't inaccessible to deer, but if they have the opportunity, they're lazy though. Yeah. They'll work around it if they can like, you know, they'll walk the ridge top instead of, you know, at least that's what I've experienced. You know, they Mm. typically aren't going to... They're
0: not um, going to walk straight up and down a really steep hill if they can walk at the top.
2: Yeah. And it doesn't have to be inaccessible to deer. You could actually use uh, open field as... Well,
1: that's, I mean, it's kind of inaccessible if you think about how you want to describe that. It, they don't want to be out in the wide
0: open. Yeah.
2: I'm just saying a deer has the capability of walking across that open field, but they don't want to because...
0: They're exposing themselves. Yeah, though. so they'd okay.
2: rather hang tight into the cover. And that's actually... How I killed my buck in archery season was there's, it's a basically, yeah, uh, a pinch points created with the slope of this hill and it kind of comes down into this big open meadow and he came right down the hill cut in between the,
1: you had a large field and a small meadow that pinched the woods down to a pretty small, Mm -hmm. uh, with the timber.
2: Yeah. And there's actually, there's a permanent stand hung there, but it's hung there for a reason.
1: Yeah, I think pinch points, bottlenecks, whatever you want to call it. I think hourglasses, whatever, I think are great spots for permanent sets for rut. Yeah. Um, I usually won't bother those stands until the rut. um, But a big one for me is bodies of water. Um, I know I've seen plenty of pictures and videos of deer wading across water. Haven't seen it myself. I hunt on several big ponds. And I've never seen a deer just up and swim through the middle of it. They Mm -hmm. always worked around the edge. So I like to use water as something that's inaccessible. It forces them, you know, if you've got, you know, a big block of timber and there's a huge pond on one side that forces the deer to come around it, be at the corner of that pond. Yeah. Because anything that's over here or over here that's working through there is going to work around the corner. Um, And that's... It's, it's I, I get a ton of action during the rut if I can get it, if I get in there at the right time and there's a hot doe. Mm-hmm. So, that's my main thing for rut. Obviously, if there's hot sign, but the big thing is finding bottlenecks.
2: Yeah. Have you guys ever had good luck hunting rub lines? No. Eh. I was gonna say I've set up on a lot of rub lines and I've just. It feels good. It I, sure I
3: feel like
0: every time I've had success hunting. Like, if I find a rub line and I've had success, or like, see deer not even kill anything, but just have a lot of activity. It's, I feel like it's less because of the fact that there's a rub line there and whatever scent is associated with that. And I feel like it's more if it's in like a bottleneck area. Cause I'll like, I'll, I'll find a rub line that goes for a couple hundred yards, say, I won't just set up in a random spot. I'll find a pinch point you or need some, something more. Yeah. I'm not just okay. looking for that one. Like, yeah, Oh, okay. A, I see a bunch of rubs going through the woods here. Like, I okay. Like, but what is going to focus them?
1: I feel like that's a good point that actually, that we're subconsciously applying to all of those is you need to like, yeah, you're not looking point, for one sign. Yeah. Pinch point. Isn't enough. You need pinch point and dough bedding or pinch point and like, or, you know, a scrape and bedding or, yeah, you know, rub plus trails or mm-hmm. something. You almost need two factors when yeah. you're setting up like an ideal rut.
0: That's yeah, no doubt. I definitely, like you said, that. I was definitely subconsciously thinking that. I'm not just looking for one thing, but yeah, it's definitely multiple facets need to go into picking that spot on a spot.
1: I think one of my favorite things when I'm getting ready to go in for a rut hunt is I'm walking in, I can smell Yeah, When you can smell the hot dough, that just fires me up. I'm like, oh, man, we are in it.
0: (laughs) It's going to be a good night.
2: You know what 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 I like to do as soon as I get up in the stand? Pee? No, I just let out a bunch of grunts and some rattling.
0: Just get wild with it?
2: I mean, you make some commotion going into the woods. You're not dead silent. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, I'm like, I just made a little bit of noise.
0: Might as well paint the rest of the picture. (laughs) Yeah,
2: now it sounds like there's a buck walking through here. And he found another buck, and now they're scrapping it out.
0: Maybe. I, I mean, I'm always a lot quieter than you are, though. Oh, yeah. Me and Frank both.
1: <laughs> Frank and I both go for the surprise approach. The only time I ever grunt is when I see the buck, and I don't believe I'm going to get a shot without trying something. Yeah.
2: Um, I grunted that buck, my New York buck, right in.
1: No, I'm not saying it doesn't work for everybody. And I grunted but...
2: every 15 minutes before that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so it was definitely the grunt they called him.
2: Well, I don't know if the grunt called <laughs> no, him in, but, but we watched he, him respond to it. So. Well, yeah, he, I don't think he came in to my previous grunts, but when he did cut, when I got a visual of him, he was not coming my way. And I grunted at him, turned around. His ears him around. came back, hair on his neck stood up, and he came in on a laser beam. Sucked me right in. Right to seven <laughs> yards.
1: Yeah, I had the buck that I was drawn back on last year. I grunted him in, but it was I saw him. He was probably 150 yards away, working a scrape, and I knew that there there's a stand over there too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that there was another trail over there, and if he took that one, I was never going to see that deer again. Yeah, because um, he was already standing in about three inches of water where he was at. So I knew that he was going to cut back into the woods, out of my life. So I grunted at him while he was making this scrape, and immediately came heading my way. Now it took him like a half hour to actually come into bow range and it all fell apart as fast as it came together. (laughs) Um, He just, I think I've told this on the podcast, but he basically, I drew back as he was committing and he had to come like four more steps and there was a stream there where basically where my shot had to be. And instead of like stepping down into the stream and coming up the other side, he opted to like hop over it and never gave me an opportunity to shoot. It was like so close. And then he just whoop, hopped and then was out of range again. I was like sitting there at full drum, like,
0: but F. if you think about it though, like it, it makes sense. Oh yeah. For him to jump right there. Like they're not going to slowly tiptoe through something that they can just bound right over. And yeah. They're done I mean, with the, it.
1: the stream's only four or five foot wide. Like it's a very small, almost yeah. like a runoff. Yeah. Um, and but that was, I mean, since I watched that happen,
0: it's very easy to make that mental note don't oh, yeah. put your shooting lane right there.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'll never do that to myself again. Yeah, um, so I mean, I learned from it, but I mean, that was the first time that I was stuck at full draw, and I was like,
0: what do I do now? Yeah,
1: I mean, that's just my inexperience. Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm sure it'll happen to me again someday, but up oh, until yeah. that point, if I drew back, I always shot, mm-hmm. and so I. I it was definitely a learning experience for me and no I, won't, I will never set up my shooting lane to be over a stream again, <laughs> but it is what it is. Indeed.
2: You live and you learn.
1: Yeah. Um, that about wraps it up for me for mm-hmm. stand locations. I'm, this is just getting me really excited for, yeah,
0: it's unfortunate. It's still three months away. Four it's going
1: to scream up on us though. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. uh, I know before we know it, we're going to be, I mean, hanging cameras and then...
0: Yeah, me and dad just put cameras out on Sunday.
1: We got logging coming in here soon, so we don't want... Oh, are them. they coming in soon? Yeah, Something. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you after. Okay. I'll fill you in. Um, but we don't want to put cameras up until they're done. Just
0: yeah, like, have them start felling trees right on the camera. Yeah, cameras. so
1: you know, throw a couple extra hundred dollars out there to just yeah. get crushed by <laughs> logs and stuff. So we're going to wait till after that. It's going to we usually already have our cameras up by now but yeah. it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean we're going to be trimming stands really soon, you know, usually in August.
0: Oh, that's an, just real quick uh, if you do have permanent stands, now's the time to check them, make sure like ratchet straps are good, loosen up the straps, re Usually we them. do that in August. Yeah.
1: Um but yeah, that's a that's a good thing you said there. Yeah. It's more than just a visual inspection. Loosen them and re-tighten them. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people take their stands down every Mm -hmm. year. That's too Uh, much. Yeah. Yeah. We leave them up and then we usually Mm -hmm. each buy a bag of ratchet straps and anything that's even remotely close comes down. You put new ones up and then those straps can be used for, you know, tying gas cans down in the truck or something. They're not junk. You just can
2: use them for... I'd rather just not have my life
0: hanging on them. Exactly.
2: Yeah, A a new pack of ratchet straps isn't that much. It's not worth... Falling yeah. out of the standover. No. Yeah.
1: No, most of the time, I mean, we just were like, yeah, let's just change it. I mean, mm-hmm. for, I think they're like, for even like the, the really nice four pack or six packs, probably like 40 bucks. Yeah. So like it's not bad. Yeah. So. It's worth it. Don't cheap out on permanent steps. I
2: like to get a nice bright orange one. Yeah. So you can see where you're standing. <laughs> Maybe like a
1: reflective line through it or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I try to find the black ones personally. Yeah, Just because the camel ones, they upcharge mm-hmm. I Gotta you on. Got to pay what, for that pattern. Speaking of, uh, last year we accidentally bought those retractable ones. Those things are those sweet. Those things are awesome. Now they're a little bit more, but for hanging stands, there's no flappy thing in the way. Yeah, world. you don't have
0: a tag end to tie up. It's it's all compact.
1: They're, they're the cat's meow. They're I didn't even things. know those
0: were a thing Neither until you accidentally bought them. I, I had was like, no idea it was wow. a thing. This well, is nice. Cuz I
1: think we were like where's the tail end on this and all of a sudden you start like pulling it out and You're like whoa. Whoa. So, if you're a big spender, go for the retractables. I don't know mm-hmm. if I'll do it again. Actually, they really they couldn't have been that much more because I didn't You didn't notice it. Yeah, I didn't notice it. Um so I think maybe yeah. I'll start leaning that way. Mm-hmm. Um check your cables on your stands too. That's yeah. another thing. Yeah. I can't believe that lock on. Uh this I think it's the the L-E-M or something, that one that's over off of Ten Haken.
0: The hemlock stand?
1: Yeah, I can't believe that that stand that's, is still functional. Yeah, that's wild. It's the old uh, plastic platform, mm-hmm. and it's not even like a chain or a cable. It's two aluminum bars with a joint in the middle for the standoff, or mm. like the part that goes from the yeah. post to the platform. Which one are you talking about?
0: The hemlock stand.
1: Oh, dude, that thing is sweet. I know. I just can't <laughs> believe it's still safe. Like, Oh, that baby's grown
2: right into the tree. That ain't going
0: nowhere.
1: No, but I'm just saying, like, it's the bottom is plastic, and it still is great. I think, is there even a seat on that one, or is it? Yeah,
2: a piece of a, wood with some nails in it. No, keeps you, no, 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 no. It's pressure-treated lumber uh, with bolts. <laughs> keeps the squirrels from chewing on it, and it's about. Uh, <laughs> is that another hot tip today, Tom? Use pressure-treated lumber on your seats so the squirrels don't eat it? Yeah. And,
0: Porcupines will eat it, though
2: we don't have a lot of them around here though yeah but make sure your seats about uh, this one's probably about eight by four it's good seat (laughs) it's got got room for about a half a butt cheek
0: about a bike seat yeah
2: it's one of those stands you want to put in a place where you got to be on high alert because you're not going to fall asleep in the (laughs) stand that's one of those stands you almost have like an athletic stance and like you don't even have like
1: It's like you're almost like crouched, getting the leg workout.
2: Yeah, there's that knot that's right in your back, so you can't can't even. That's what I'm saying. Like
1: you can't lean back, and you're like literally like hunched over. And I'm just like, I feel like I'm ready to pounce out of the tree.
2: (laughs) One time, I might have been drinking the night before. Got up in the morning, hunted that stand about like seven thirty. I mean, it it, had just got light, (laughs) maybe a half hour ago. And I'm like, I'm climbing down.
0: I'm not sitting in this piece of crap.
2: I climbed right down to the bottom. I sat down on the bottom. I'm like, we're ground hunting with the boat today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great.
1: Yeah, that that stand is super uncomfortable. And I think that's one of the ones Tom and I did that fancy, like, climb up underneath. Yeah, no, you, there's
2: no. Or no, that's the one. That's, that, it's in a hemlock. There's no sticks or nothing.
1: There might be like a starter stick or uh, yeah, like one. Yeah, or two you screw mostly ends. climb branches though. I forgot about that, but yeah, you're right. Now, for Tom and I like to put those climbing sticks right underneath the stand. Yeah, you
0: guys always used to piss me off doing that shit.
1: And put them, like, absurdly <laughs> far apart because, like, who wants yeah, to Yeah, well, spend? Tom will
0: climb a stand. Tom's eight inches taller than you and me, and yeah. his stride's a lot longer. He'll he'll climb up a tree be like, oh, that's perfect. And then I'm, like, ripping my pants trying to get my foot from rung to rung. I think rung it's
1: funny rung. that, like, I'm pretty sure those screwing steps are $279 a piece yeah and it's heaven like,
0: forbid you use one extra
1: <laughs> i always like because every year i buy like a whole case of them you mm-hmm. know and and
2: you're still stingy with them
1: oh yeah i'm like mm, no like
2: stretch out another
1: six inches yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like here's where it would be comfortable move it up a half a foot yeah exactly and then i'm worried about like like pretty much you have to do like a pull up to get to the next stick. sometimes, mm-hmm.
0: but, And then you're like climbing down. You like reach. Like, I feel like it should it, be right there. Be be.
2: You look down, it's like two inches below your boot. You're it's like you fully extended. To,
1: I think, yeah, what's scary is like, you have to like almost fully commit to going down yeah. to touch the step. You're That's, like falling onto that step. <laughs> like, okay. Blind up. Go. <laughs> um Again, this is fictional. All of our stands are super safe to get into. Yeah.
0: Make sure yours are safer than that story depicts.
1: Yeah. Perfect. Well, I guess on that note, Uh, make sure your tree stands are safe and
2: wear a harness
1: yeah that that we all do yes uh i won't that no bullshit we all wear harnesses um but yeah other than that make sure you guys are just getting outside